0: Welcome back to another episode of Win Championship Repeat, Boston Sports Podcast. And on this week's episode, we're going to start with the Patriots and look at their loss to the Colts and where they sit going forward. Then what I want to do is take a look at um, some Celtics stuff and go from there. So Patriots right now are 9-5. and They lost a pretty important game to the Indianapolis Colts that a lot of people... Didn't know if they would win or not. I, to be honest, didn't know if they would win it or not either. Uh, Kansas City won, so they are now in first place in the American Football Conference. Tennessee Titans lost. Patriots are in second place because the Tennessee Titans lost to the Patriots um, in their uh, route to victories. Um, and I think they had uh, seven straight before uh, the Colts game. Unfortunately, um, there's nothing you can do there. Um, so they hold second place, first place right now. A game difference from Buffalo, who is um, they are eight and six compared to nine and five for New England. Mac Jones, two touchdowns, two interceptions, twenty six of forty five, two ninety nine yards, compared to the other side, which was Carson Wentz, five for twelve, fifty seven yards, one touchdown, one interception. He didn't do too much, but the real Winner was Jonathan Taylor, 29 carries, 170 yards, and a touchdown. Patriots tried uh, chomping back, couldn't do it. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, because no Damian Harris, 10 for 36. Kendrick Bourne, 2 for 19. Uh, Receiving-wise, Naheem Hines had 1 reception, 8 yards, a touchdown. That was their only touchdown. Patriots had 2 from Hunter Henry, 6 receptions, 77 yards. We saw two receptions, 52 yards for Nikhil Harry. Three receptions, 44 yards for Kendrick Bourne. And six receptions, 44 yards for Kobe Myers. And three receptions, 41 for Bolden. And four receptions, 34 yards for Nelson Aguilar. Not the greatest, but it was what it was, I guess. Fumbles, we saw Gunner had one fumble, which he recovered. And um, then there was a fumble of Johnu Smith... And then there was a Rondre Stevenson fumble as well. Um, and none of those actually were lost. Indianapolis did not get any of those fumbles back. They all stayed with New England. Defensively, here's where we're at. Um, sacks, there was one from Dietrich Wise, which was the only one in the game for um, the Patriots. And DeForest Buckner sack, uh, which was the only one for the Colts. Pretty quiet in that regard. New England had one interception from uh, Devin McCourty. Uh, we saw one interception from Darius Leonard and one from Bobby Okikri from the Indianapolis side of things. Kick returns. Gunnar Oslowski, 1 for 20. Naheem Hines, 1 for 20. Isaiah Rogers, 2 for 43. And Gunnar, one uh, punt with one yard. Uh, Kicking-wise, Nick Folk was perfect. He was uh, 1-1 on field goals, 2-2 on extra points. Michael... Bagley two of three on field goals 41 was his long three of three on extra points and we saw Jake Bailey two punts 80 yards and Rigoberto Sanchez two for 87 yards punts and one within 20 yards so now the Patriots have a tough situation here and this is the situation for New England at the moment they are a game up Going into next week. Which is against Buffalo. So uh, if the Patriots win against Buffalo. It's pretty straightforward. The Patriots are the number one seed. In the AFC East. Buffalo is not. And even if the Patriots lose at the end. They hold at this point, Two victories over the Bills. And doesn't even make a difference. Because they'd have the edge. If they lose to Buffalo. They're tied. They have the split. And I think um, according to. I think, according to Buffalo, they have not lost a game to anyone in the AFC East um, except the Patriots. And so, if they lose, if they win against the Patriots, they would have to lose against the Jets, and the Patriots would have to win against Miami to be even in the division AFC standings um, and even in um, the AFC battle between inner teams. Uh, And that would also, in that case, mean the Jaguars game, the Patriots lose, and Buffalo wins uh, their game after New England. So the best case scenario is the Patriots beat the Bills, and whatever happens, happens. If they lose to the Dolphins, they lose to the Dolphins. If they don't, they don't. So if the Patriots can beat the Bills, then that's what we need from them, um, because, you know, this one's going to be at New England. The difficult situations that they dealt with in round one probably aren't going to be there, because it's probably not going to be windy and cold and the same situation so the buffalo game is probably the most important for pretty much everyone at least in my opinion because why why not uh if they win this that's what we need because jacksonville is an easy win and i think you could go in and beat miami if you got that that victory um in buffalo and then the next one going in and you kind of keep the the momentum rolling which is obviously as uh a you know a fan of patriots that's what you want to see um and you know that's uh i guess where we're at and um i guess uh the patriots is a must win game in my opinion against buffalo and then we'll see where they go from here there is uh damian harris who was not in the last game hopefully he's back healthy enough for the next one because he is their number one running back and This is where the Patriots are at the moment. And I guess we'll see where they go from here. It was not a great performance from the Colts. They lost by 10 points. And that's kind of where we are at. Boston Celtics. Let's uh, switch gears and go to the Boston Celtics. Um, They ended up getting um, a few victories and losses over the last few games. They've been around 500 for um, what I would say is... um, most of this um, season, they've gone up and they've gone down, and you know, they've kind of dealt with injuries and they have shorthanded, um, uh, you know, players because of this health and safety protocols. They added in um, Justin Jackson, who is joining in the fold. Daniel House is a free agent, potentially, they could add him in if it gets to that point, whether he is an actual free agent who comes in with the um, health and safety, or if he's just signed outright and someone else gets cut, who knows. But he's a good player, and they could go for him. Uh, Yeah, it's been a tough road. Dennis Schroeder has been great, I will say that. But because Dennis Schroeder's been great, a lot of articles have put him as one of the top guys to get traded because the Celtics may not want to keep him because he'll cost too much money. If you can get some value out of him, you can get some value out of him. Um, yeah, they don't have, um, a real need to keep him long-term, so they'll probably get rid of him for the right price. I was reading an article from Hardwood Houdini about, uh, three spots for, um, for him, and whether they make sense or not, and so they brought, first, Philadelphia up because they don't have, um, anyone right now, uh, who's like a top-tier starting point guard. Ben Simmons is out because he doesn't want to play. Um, I just, to be honest, don't think this one would happen because I don't think they'd want to deal with a team that, you know, they're really gonna, um, have to deal with long-term. Um, and also, you know, that's their rival because they're pretty, they're both great teams. Um, and, uh, I just don't see, um, the Philadelphia 76ers being a good target, uh, for the Celtics. Next up is the New York Knicks, and while the Knicks do have some solid point guards, I don't really know if they would really need him. Uh, The New York Knicks do have a ton of draft picks. I think they have one from Charlotte. They also have one from Dallas, which I think those are both protected at some point. Um, I think there's a lot of ways you could make this work. Alec Burks is a good player who's averaging 11 points and uh, 40% from three. There's younger guys like Emmanuel Quickly or Miles McBride who might interest Boston. Um, I think, um, yeah, there is a market for Schroeder and New York could be interested, and they say it's a good idea, and I think that's one that really makes sense because it doesn't seem like they're going to fight with Boston at all um, for that sort of situation to take place. Um, So, yeah. There's that. Then they bring up Brooklyn. And the only uh, issue I have with Brooklyn is that they don't have a lot of combination pieces that could salary match um, Schroeder. One that would be interesting is um, Joe Harris. If you use the Fournier trade exception and you traded Schroeder for um, for him, uh, I could see them interesting. It's an interesting trade. Maybe they do that. You'd have to probably add a little bit more from... Uh, the Boston side maybe or the Brooklyn side. I don't know if you could do a straight swap in that case, but uh, They basically say that it really wouldn't work um, And it doesn't really make sense to even go in that direction in the first place, which I kind of agree with them more um, Than anything so I don't think that one's gonna take place Next on the board what I want to look at for the Celtics is a couple of potential trade targets that they could potentially go out there and get and so what i want to look at is specifically some of the players that are potentially available guys who they could go after and make uh some sense out of that so first and foremost we have the indiana pacers and i'm looking at Sabonis uh specifically um and i guess um you know in the case of the the Indiana Pacers I feel like you know they're looking to rebuild and I think they're probably not as eager to move these pieces like Sabonis and Turner fast unless there's the right offer and I think Sabonis is a perfect Celtics third star he's been an all-star a few times he's been you know someone who's a great defensive player offensive player plays power forward and center and he is um A double-double guy, uh, 18 points, 11 rebounds, and it's going to cost a lot to get him, but he's only $18.5 and you could make it work in a whole host of ways, whether Al Horford is your main contract going out, and you do something with Sabonis and Jeremy Lamb as the two big contracts from the Boston side of things, and then you add in draft picks and young players to fill in the cracks where needed, it's possible. And I think there's a lot to, to offer there. And I think it's a good trade to get uh, Sabonis in. Number two would be TJ Warren. And I think he's someone who's great. And I think you could trade him for maybe a first round pick. He's um, under contract for one year, which might be an issue. So I don't know if they'd go for him as much so as uh, Sabonis. Just because if he's under contract for one year and if this is not their year to win, is it really going to make sense? I don't know. But... If they don't go for T.J. Warren, a much cheaper option is Justin Holiday, who I think is a very good shooting guard. Um, he can play the combo shooting guard, small forward, would be one of the better wings off the bench. And, yeah, I don't know. He could be someone that really uh, makes a difference for them. And, again, he's not going to cost you more than two second-round picks, maybe a protected first. Um, but he's someone they could potentially go out and get if they're interested in, in that one so i am uh I am uh interested in Justin Holiday as an option. Another name that's been mentioned as potentially being available is uh cam reddish in um, he is in uh, Atlanta. now, with Cam reddish specifically, I think he hasn't gotten his due justice because he was I believe the the tenth pick um and somebody who is a pretty solid role player young guy he's someone who's like can get you about 11 uh, points a game not the the worst player in the world by any means and somebody who I think is a very solid role player and I think a great player to have um, what it would cost to get him they want a first round pick and I think Boston could pony up a first round pick. I could easily see the Celtics trading Lancho Hernan Gomez in a first-round pick and maybe a second-round pick for Cam Reddish, or potentially making a trade Romeo Langford and a uh, first-round pick um, for uh, for him uh, potentially. Um, and so, I'd like to say that uh, you know there's a lot of different ways they could get Cam Reddish because he's such a cheap contract. Um, I think that's uh, someone that they really um should go after um because i do think he is a a good player and someone who could play the shooting guard or the small forward alongside brown he's someone that would make a lot of sense for them if uh we're looking at someone who is a decent contract and could get uh into boston jeremy a grant this guy is probably alongside schroeder they mentioned him as the number one guy to get traded and i don't see this as an obstacle because He's not someone who fits their long-term plans. And he's averaging 20 points and 5 rebounds almost. So what would it cost for Boston to get him? Well, you'd probably have to throw Al Horford in because he's someone that makes $27 million. So he'd have to be number one. And I think if you are Detroit, you would rather have him than some of these other pieces because he is someone who is uh, non-guaranteed next year. So you'll only have to pay about 12 14 million of his contract, which is not bad. Then we have um, a bunch of young players like Nesmith or Grant Williams or Peyton Pritchard who could all go to Detroit and the Celtics in exchange could um, add in first round picks if needed. So if you had a deal like Aaron Nesmith, uh, Al Horford and one first round pick this year and maybe a future first round pick which is like lottery protected, could that be enough to get Jeremy or Grant? Maybe you swap out Nesmith and you put in uh, Romeo Langford and maybe that's enough to get it done. I think Grant would be a great player in Boston and I think he would be the ideal player next to Jason Tatum um, in my opinion so he is someone who would be a great piece to have and he's someone who could be you know a real important piece for their team moving forward and um, he's a good player. I also like dylan brooks who makes about 12.2 million he's averaging 18 points i don't know if he's available um or also kyle anderson in memphis if we're talking about memphis players or also brandon clark who's in memphis so in order i would go dylan brooks kyle anderson brandon clark um you could probably get kyle anderson for a few second round picks this year he's not doing as good dylan brooks will cost you a first round pick and probably like romeo langford and some other stuff And then Brandon Clark, you can probably get him for two second-round picks. Or you might be able to do a Brandon Clark for um, Juancho Jordan-Gomez in a second-round pick swap. Or maybe, you know, you try and work something out where maybe you trade for Brandon Clark. And you add someone else into the mix. And um, you trade away Nesmith. Um, Maybe they potentially get Sam Merrill, who's a pretty good three-point shooter. And they get Brandon Clark and they trade away Aaron Nesmith and use one of their trade exceptions to kind of work everything else out and add some picks in. That's uh, an option for them if they want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, And then if they want someone who's a veteran at the center position, Jonas Valanciunas, 29, 18 points, and 11 rebounds. If they get rid of Robert Williams uh, in some sort of a deal or even if it's in this deal, adding in Jonas Valanciunas who's a very affordable contract would be uh, a very good choice for um the the um Boston Celtics in my opinion I wouldn't be surprised if he's their best bet or one of their best bets um so you know there's options and obviously as the season goes on and as time goes on we'll see exactly where um the Celtics go from here with this one, um, and more importantly, what they can do uh, moving forward in in this one, um, because uh, you know there's a lot that can happen, and there's a lot that uh, can go on, and you know I think um, you know it's gonna be something that uh, the Celtics are gonna have to look at to try and make upgrades to their team. Uh, I don't really know where they're gonna go from here, but uh, we'll see. Um, exactly what their next moves are uh when they come up and so yeah that is uh that is that now i mentioned david ortiz about being in the hall of fame but i saw an article about him and it basically said that um things are looking pretty good so far uh the boston red Sox uh legend this is according to Nesson. i'm looking at an article from them uh he's on the ballot and uh I guess Ryan Thibodeau, who is a tracker of these ballots, and he looks at early returns and whatnot, Ortiz is looking to be a first ballot Hall of Famer because according to their numbers of the early ballots, Ortiz has eighty-one percent of the vote, eighty one point six percent of the vote. That's uh about nine point seven percent thirty-eight ballots total. There's also for those wondering Barry Bonds at 78.9%, and Roger Clemens at 78.9%, as well. Followed by Scott Rowland at 68.4, Kurt Schilling at 63.2, uh, Billy Wagner at 60.5, Todd Helton at 55.3%, uh, I'm guessing that's Chipper Jones at 526 Arod A Rod at 47.4%, Manny Ramirez at 42.1%, uh, Gary Sheffield at 42.1%, Jeff Kent at 26.3%, uh, Bobby Abreu at 15.8%, Sammy Sosa at 15.8%, and 13.2% for Omar Vizquel. So, um, I guess David Ortiz's David Ortiz name has been checked on 23 of the last 24 ballots. Uh, according, This is according to Ryan Thibodeau. Um, so, if that's any indication, it looks like he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, if this is any indication, Barry Bonds is also in the Hall of Fame and Roger Clemens, although their numbers are just a little a little more uh, closer to the 75 number that's needed. So they could dip if a bunch of the other ballots come in and it's not in their favor. Sometimes I wonder if David Ortiz, because of the sort of scandals with the steroid stuff back in the day, if that's going to affect him at all. I don't think it will, but you know, it's affected others, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, it could, Uh, and uh, I think he's deserving of being in the Hall of Fame, I don't think there's really anyone um, that would say otherwise, because his career numbers speak for themselves, Um, and so, yeah, that is, uh, you know, that's their situation um, right now, Um, hopefully he does get in, Um, because he is a very, very good player and, um, that is, uh, potentially someone who probably deserves to get in for sure. Um, yeah, that is that. So I want to take a second, um, and I want to kind of talk about where the Red Sox are right now. And I've mentioned a lot of stuff with, um, the Red Sox and their off season and everything, and they're still going. What I want to say is that the Red Sox have to come back with a plan when this all is said and done and they can come back and make moves. They have to go out there and show that they're actually worth you know, competing again. Because unfortunately, what we all know, and this is just the truth, is that the Red Sox were a little lucky at times. They had a great team, but they were a little bit lucky with the Tampa Bay Series and with some other stuff, and so it didn't go as hoped with them. But what I will say, and this is just my own opinion, um, is that, you know, they need to add some nice pieces in. They need to add some nice pieces in to kind of make their team just slightly better um, moving forward. Um, And I think, um, you know, that's what they need to do. Uh, That's what they have to do. And um, at the end of the day, you know, they have to you know, get to be one of the best teams and they have to get better and they have to show everyone why they're worth, you know, really, uh, you know, paying attention to because this is not a one-off. They have to have a good year and they have to get some pieces in there. So they need relievers, which I think that's where they're going to go. I also think that they need somebody else in the batting order, whether that's an outfielder or an infielder. Um, I don't know. I don't think Christian Arroyo is going to be our starting second baseman on day one. I think it is either going to be Kike Hernandez, Xander Bogarts, or some other guy who they sign that's a shortstop, whether that's Trevor Story or Carlos Correa, and they come and play second base. One of those three options is what I see at second base. And if Kike is our second baseman, that means they're going out and acquiring another outfielder, whether that's the Japanese guy, uh, Suzuki or whatever, Uh, or one of the other outfielders that could be out there michael confernado or um, there are so many other outfielders they could go for or that's jared duran and they just have bradley jr and jared duran and uh, verdugo those are all possibilities but i expect them to add somebody else in the lineup and i don't think christian arroyo is going to be there i think you know Carl Schwarber could come back, to be honest. And he could play left field. And you could have Kike move into the infield. And you have at second base Kike and at center field Verdugo. And left field is Schwarber and right field is Bradley Jr. Or Verdugo moves to right field and Bradley Jr. plays center. They need another right-handed bat, which is probably where they're going to go. But um, I don't know. Maybe Bradley Jr. just comes off the bench. And maybe they felt like, hey, we're just taking Bradley Jr. back because we want the two prospects that come with it. Rather than actually holding on to um hunter renfro i liked renfro but bradley jr was a big part of our run in 2018 and he's a great outfielder and you know the killer bees you know he was pretty good and you have him and you know they're in a good spot and so we'll see what happens with this team and with these players and i don't know who's gonna come and be good but we'll see